Hey there, folks. Welcome to, of course, Griff Talks Football with your host, Griff, here. And uh, today's episode is going to be uh, about the uh, NFL All-Decade team, but more specifically, uh, the quarterbacks involved, uh, as well as not only why those quarterbacks were named or possibly argued as to why they should have been on the team or why they made a team, uh, but also alternative quarterbacks, or at least one quarterback, especially for the NFC, why he should have been on the team instead, uh, as well as talking about the Brandon Cooks trade, um, and also uh, a little tie-in to my podcast that I also do, uh, the Griff Talks Football Podcast, which you can find on Anchor. Uh, you can also search it on Google. You'll find it here. I also have the link in the uh, description. Um, and also... What might be Houston's offensive identity uh, for this upcoming season? I mean, uh, so many things have have changed uh, for Houston's off to, offensive identity ever since Bill O'Brien has has been there since 2014, and I'll give you know reasons or at least show why that's ha, has been the case. Uh, nevertheless, uh, but I want to. Go over this all-decade team. So, the quarterbacks that made the NFL all-decade team, which the NFL had posted on their Instagram page, their website, uh, this past week, uh, has been quarterbacks Tom Brady and uh, Aaron Rodgers. Now, it may be a no-brainer to put Tom Brady in there, but by any means, no, no doubt, right? But again, I think I should bring up arguments to why he made it. I mean, he appeared in five, just, just from 2010 to the beginning of 2020, uh, not not the 2020 season, but just the 2019 season and then the 2020 playoffs, um, he appeared in five Super Bowls. Uh, in 2011, lost to the Giants. 2014, beat the Seahawks when really they potentially should have lost, uh, if not for that Malcolm Butler interception. Uh, then 2016, that miraculous comeback where they beat the Falcons. Um, and then 2017 lost to Nick Foles' led Eagles team, and then 2018 beat the Rams. He won three Super Bowls, lost two, and he also won an MVP title twice: 2010 and 2017. Also, he didn't lose a division title at all during that span. Um, like the last time he lost a division AFC East title uh, was 2008. But he didn't play full season because he had a torn ACL. So the Dolphins ended up going 11-5, winning that AFC East division title. Um, But he also appeared in eight consecutive AFC championship games uh, from 2011 to 2018, which is an NFL record, not just for AFC championship games, but just championship games in general. Um... He also threw over 5,000 yards in the 2011 season, which was miraculous, by the way. I mean, they had lethal weapons that year. They had a raw, young Rock Gronkowski. They had uh, Wes Walker still, uh, who was still in his prime. They had Dion Branch. They had a ton of running backs they could use. I mean, Chad o- Ochocinco was basically on his last leg, uh, but he was still somewhat effective from the slot. Uh, but they, they had numerous weapons, and he just was able to dink and dunk and pick apart defenses with no problem with the quick passing game that New England had established during that time. Um, 
But yeah, he threw over 5,000 yards in 2011. And then he was also the oldest quarterback to lead the league, not only in passing yards, but also win MVP in the same season. And that was back in 2017. He threw over five, uh, he threw over 4,500 yards passing. And then again, won uh, 2017 uh, league MVP uh, that year. So that's to, to just not include his other accomplishments in the previous decade, you know, from 2000 to 2009. Beginning of 2010, he still had accomplished a lot, and that's pretty worthy of being on the uh, all-decade team when it comes to quarterbacks for the uh, AFC. Now, Aaron Rodgers, the other quarterback for the NFC, made it. Um, he appeared in four NFC championship games, 2010, 2014, 2016, and then 2019. He only He only won... One NFC Championship game that was 2010 because that was also his only Super Bowl appearance as well as Super Bowl win. Uh, he also won two MVPs during this decade, 2011 as well as 2014. Uh, he also led the team to seven consecutive playoff appearances, excluding the 2009 season. We include 2009 would have been eight, but excluding 2009, seven playoff appearances. Uh, from 2010 to 2016, and then of course another playoff appearance in 2019. I uh, ended up losing to the San Francisco 49ers in the AFC Championship game. Um, but there are his accomplishments there. Um, now as for Brady, arguments why he should have not been in or to have a quarterback replace Brady. There, there is no arguments. I mean, I would say Peyton Manning, but he didn't last like an entire decade. Right, he missed. Uh, he missed the 2011 season uh, due to a neck injury, and then he played from 2012 to 2015. Even then, 2015 was his worst career season by by he's ever had, and ended up retiring that year after winning the Super Bowl. Uh, but no, no, no doubt. I don't think anyone could replace Tom Brady. No one's had the same consistency, the same effectiveness, and in efficiency. And playoff wins and Super Bowl appearances uh, and Pro Bowl appearances, all pro, any accomplishment that you can think of, no one has had that consistency as well as uh, as well as Tom Brady. My bad. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, phone. I, uh, or sorry, guys, who are listening to the podcast. I uh, kind of moved it away uh, from me for a bit. Um, but arguments to why Rodgers should be replaced. And here's a quarterback in the mind that I thought that could be, uh, that could replace Rodgers. And you may be thinking Russell Wilson, which that could be a good option. But I think the one who is definitely snubbed that should have been mentioned by any means uh, is Drew Brees. Drew Brees, excluding the 2008 season, he threw 5,000 yards four times. Over 5,000 yards four times. 2011, 2012, 2013, and then 2016. Uh, again, that fifth time would have been 2008. But again, this is the all-decade T from 2010 to 2020. Uh, he led the league in completion percentage five times. All right, this isn't, you know, dinks and dunks either. He was throwing vertically uh, throughout this decade. Uh, he threw deep a lot. 
He also had the highest completion percentage in the season in NFL history with 16 starts, uh, which was a 74.4 completion percentage. Again, NFL record, astonishing. And again, it wasn't just dinks and dunks, short passes. Uh, it was, again, he, th- he threw vertically. Now, this was the 2018 season where he broke that record. So he didn't throw over 4,000 yards. He was shy of that. But again, he threw 33 touchdowns to just five interceptions. So he, again, efficient. Um, he also led the league in touchdown passes twice, 46 in 2011, as well as 43 in 2013. Um, he also led the Saints to a 2018 NFC Championship game. Had there not been that stupid no call, uh, I no doubt they could have beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, they also... Uh, he also led the team to six playoff appearances, 2010, 2011, 2013, and then three straight playoff appearances, 2017, 2018, and 2019. Um, he arguably deals with a tougher division compared to Rodgers. Rodgers has played against quarterbacks such as Christian Ponder of the Vikings, which I don't think anyone remembers Christian Ponder, but he was a first-round pick for the Vikings back in 2010, 2011, I think, and he was terrible. Um, he beat out he he he's beaten out Mitchell Trubisky for the division. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky won in 2018, but Rodgers was also like gone. He wasn't. No, I'm sorry. He played the. I think he played the full season, but the team was worse than what the Bears were in 2018. Um, he also, again, played, he's, he's dealt with and played against dysfunctional organizations, which for the longest time, it was the Bears, but the Lions, it was even longer. Um, so his only competition within the division consistently, we're talking about consistency has been the Vikings because the Vikings arguably throughout the decade have had either a better roster or they've had, uh, an excellent defensive a year in a season where they could have handled Rodgers in two games. Uh, they've had at least consistency from some quarterback position with Teddy Bridgewater and then Kirk Cousins and then Case Keenum. Um, but also, again, they've had Adrian Peterson to rely on for half, almost more than half the decade. Uh, so that's the only team that's been a threat in terms of winning the division consistently, or at least playing for that division consistently. Otherwise, Rodgers has had, um, you know, he's had seasons where they went 10-6 and six and won the division because the division is that terrible. As for Breeze, who not to mention, now he's got to play Tom Brady twice this year, uh, depending on how this COVID-19 plays out. But he's had to play uh, Brady twice now for this year, which I look forward to those matchups. Um He's dealt with Cam Newton and Ron Rivera, the Panthers, for so many years. They've been, uh, from some points this season, great. I mean, 2015, they made it to the Super Bowl and then lost to the Broncos. Um, but he's now, other than Tampa Bay, which has been widely inconsistent, um, they, he's also played against the Atlanta Falcons, which there's been some points this seasons, or at least throughout this decade, where they've had great they have had a great year. Matt Ryan had a great year. 2016, they made it to the Super Bowl. So arguably, Brees has been in a more tougher division um, compared to what Rodgers has been through. Rodgers, at least in some years, has had a defense compared to Brees. Brees never had a consistent defense. Like, other than 2011 and then these past 
three years, uh, Rodgers at least had a consistent defense compared to what Breeze has had to deal with. I mean, Breeze has had to win shootouts so many times. I mean, Rodgers has had to do that too, but there's been some games where Rodgers didn't have to necessarily carry the team throughout this decade. It's been Breeze time and time and time again. He's got to carry this team on his back. I mean, he's in, in like in 2012 and then 2016, the team went seven and nine. He threw over 5,000 yards. What does that tell you? I mean, the team wasn't wasn't necessarily great on both sides of the ball, but he's been he's arguably been the one that's been carrying the team to be able to even get some of those wins that he had in those in those seasons. So, like, for Breeze to consistently not be mentioned uh, in in some of these categories, to not be mentioned as a top quarterback is 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 frustrating like i'm not even a saints fan but i'm a huge drew Brees fan for what he's done for this organization time and time again and he has been playing to the highest level and if we're just basing quarterbacks based on statistics he far out he far beats brady he far beats peyton manning throughout this decade far out beats rogers just because of how efficient he's been with the weapons that he's had, even with the weapons that have not been as great as other seasons. Um, he's been the reason why that Saints, as an organization, has even been able to compete. And there's been some seasons as well where he's essentially had no running game. And it's not like, oh, we're just going to pass heavy you know, 50 times a game, you know, throw the ball 50 times a game. That hasn't necessarily always been the case. I mean, they've been a more controlled running team these past three years but they've been a more vertical team because they never had an established or hardly ever had an established running game as well as good running backs I mean they drafted Reggie Bush and he was there for like a couple years but he has never been consistent they've had Mark Ingram for so long but he's only had one great year or two two great years I would say 2017 2018 but it took him so long to get there until he signed with the Ravens so again he's never had a consistent running game it's just been him trying to carry the team on his back so i say in terms of my arguments for the all decade team i just want to throw drew Brees' name out there um but also quick thoughts on the uh brandon cooks trade so everyone's again outraged with o'brien's trades um which okay, I get, I get, I, and I did episode this on my podcast, Crypt Talks Football, where I talked about receivers being expendable. And here's another ex- an example of receiver being ex- expendable. Again, receivers are like non-popular WWE superstars. They're not the ones bringing money always to an organization. Uh, they're not always the most valuable position. The most valuable positions, again, quarterbacks, pass protecting tackles, uh, and then tight ends. I would rather have a beast at tight end that's just an absolute mismatch to everyone on the defensive side of the ball than like a star wide receiver helps. Don't get me wrong, star wide receiver helps. Uh, but I think in terms of causing more mismatches, arguably would be athletic, great route running, and great catching ability from tight ends. I mean, Austin Hooper, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, just to throw a few names out there. Uh, Jimmy Graham on one point. When he was healthy, when he wasn't terrible. And then Rob Gronkowski, Gronk, uh, was an absolute beast uh, prior to his retirement uh, for this past year. But uh, Rams had traded Brandon Cooks in a fourth-round pick to Houston. 
Houston gives a second-round pick to the Rams. Cooks has been traded three times in the past four years, so he was with the Saints until 2017. He was traded in New England, been to the Super Bowl, then traded to the Rams and for 2018, been to the Super Bowl, and he's been with the Rams 2018 and the 2019 season. And he's been, uh, he's been no doubt extremely, extremely consistent. Now again, he's been traded a lot, uh, which has been, unfortunately for him, it's it's a business, and he's got to consistently go and perform for teams that had traded for him, but they may not want him for long term. I mean, he's got five years left on his contract. I think the Rams are going to pay, or at least they lost $14 million in dead money to him, at least guaranteed money, and I think they may pay the first year of his contract, when, or at least when Brandon Cooks is in his first year with Houston, and then the rest, I think Houston is picking up that contract. Which I also think Bill Bryan said in an interview, the reason why they traded Hopkins was because he wanted a raise, which... He had three years left in this deal, and he wanted to restructure his contract, which I, I get. Players want as much money as they can because uh, it's not always a guarantee that you will play in the league for so long, which I get. However, even though Bill O'Brien is now paying players throughout, or at least now taking in contracts that players have been signed with with their previous teams, such as David Johnson and the Cardinals and now with Brandon Cooks, uh, he's trying to give money else. Uh, he's trying to give money elsewhere. They traded for Laramie Tunzel the previous season, and they're trying to keep him on roster because he's one of the best left tackles or these best young left tackles in the game. And they're trying to make sure they have money for Deshaun Watson to keep him on the team. They're trying to have a star quarterback, and you have a star quarterback that can make people better around him, then that's awesome. Um, but they got another good receiver. Is he as great as DeAndre Hopkins in terms of route running ability and size and uh, catching ability? No, but he's a consistent receiver. And one thing you can definitely be out, uh, Hopkins is speed. He is much faster um, than Hopkins when it comes to speed. Um, and Cooks has gotten 1,000 yards uh, this uh, uh you know, with three teams he's been with. And if he gets a thousand yards this year, he'll be uh with uh he'll be one of the two guys, including former wide receiver Brandon Marshall, as the only receivers or even players in NFL history to go over a thousand yards with four different teams. Brandon Marshall did that with the Bears, Dolphins, Broncos, and Jets. Cooks will now if he did it, would now have done it with the Saints, Patriots, Rams and then with Houston this year. If he does get a thousand yards, which I do, I do think he will. Um, depending on how well he, you know, understands the system and builds rapport with the Sean Watson. Um, but also, I do think with the Cooks trade, um, I do think Houston's offensive identity will be a vertical passing team. For a second straight year, like think about it, Bill O'Brien's been there for tw- uh, since 2014, right? They've been a running team in 2014 zone scheme wise. They've been a running team 20- 2015 zone scheme wise. 2016, they were the same thing zone scheme wise. Uh, 2017, they changed it up in the middle of the season when they started Sean Watson, and they were more of a zone read spread option offense with vertical concepts involved, and he got hurt, and they went back to his own run team. Then in 2018, as Deshaun Watson was still kind of recovering and trying to get used to the game, especially when he came off that 20 CL, um, 
I believe, on his right knee. Uh, they were, again, a zone run vertical team. And then this past year, they were more of a shotgun, um, quick passing attack team that still throws vertical. Um, even though, again, vertical has been their main priority, at least from what I saw on their offense identity, again, is throwing vertical concepts, but then still throwing it quick quick passes on occasion to then set up the vertical passing attack. I mean, another example is Bruce Arians. He's always been uh, a guy that has established his offense identity as a vertical passing attack, especially when he was with a head coach uh, as the Cardinals for a couple years and now with the Buccaneers. Uh, they are a vertical passing team, and I think Houston will be a vertical passing team just based on the speed of the receivers that they have. Like now they got Brandon Cooks. They still have Will Fuller, if healthy, is one of the fastest receivers, if not the fastest receiver in the game. Um, they have Kenny Stills, and they have Randall Cobb. Now, is Randall Cobb the fastest receiver on the team? No. Um, he's kind of lost some speed as he's gotten older, but he's still one of the most effective route-running slot receivers in the game. Especially, again, when healthy. Um, and again, Brandon Cooks has been extremely consistent. He's had four consecutive years going over 1,000 yards. Uh, 2015, 2016 with the Saints. 2017 with the Patriots. 2018 with the, uh, with the Rams. Um, Brandon Cobb, uh, again, as I already said, effective slot receiver. Uh, Houston will be able to also work on their offense identity with some consistency. As well as, again staying within this system, within this offensive attack for a second straight year. And Tim Kelly, who is the offensive coordinator for the Texans, is in his second year, but this will be his, his first year where he's calling plays, uh, where Bill O'Brien will just be focusing more on head coaching duties. Um, but I do think Bill O'Brien still going to be the one that's going to be establishing the offensive play, game plan. It just will be through Tim Kelly calling plays, as far as I know. Uh, until they may change throughout this season, who knows? But that that is where I think Houston will be. I think Houston will be an an effective vertical team, just based again on the receivers that they have, their offensive line getting better, and especially keep Larry Tunzel. That will be a, a key thing. Um, and I don't think there'll be a team where they're going to run the ball and set up the pass. I think there'll be a team much like this previous year, even though they have Carlos Hyde at a thousand yards rushing. I think they might get that if David Johnson stays healthy because they have a good running backs coach um, that they'll throw the ball deep with some quick concepts too to then set up the run. It's different systems. You set up, you do the pass, set up the run, and you may so you may use the run to set up the pass. There's different systems. Um, they're not so much going to be a huge play action team. I mean, they may use some play action, but they're definitely going to be a vertical passing attack team, which I do think is what's going to happen for this year. That's it on my thoughts on the Brandon Cooks trade and how that may affect Houston's offense this year. Um, but as I end this episode, we're not only again arguing for Drew Brees to have been on the, uh, the NFL all-decade team instead, and then my thoughts doing doing the Brandon Cooks trade. Um, I wanted to kind of tell you what I'm doing in terms of my videos. So again, sorry, podcasters, you're not going to be able to see this, but you can always check out my YouTube channel, Griff Talks Football. Um, but in terms of what I'm trying to do, I'm still trying. Of course, this is my first time doing the video for like almost three weeks now. Um, we are going to be showing passing concepts and pass protections, and also running plays as well. 
uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, every every Friday is what I'm aiming for. Um, and this is just an example of what I'm trying to do. So the play I did, which is in reference to my podcast. If you haven't checked it out, please do. It's it's uh, Season 2, Episode 4, Different Ways to Attack Different Coverages. And uh, I, I had a play called uh, called <clears throat> Gun Left Split Trio 3-Jet Wide Flacco 8-Drag Verticals. And it's a Tampa 2 beater. Now, Tampa 2, just to do a uh, a simplification, you, again, you can check out the episode. I'll go in more details about that. Uh, Tampa 2 plays similar to cover 3, although you have two corners on the outside playing the quick passing attack or the flats or the hitches, which is similar to cover 2. Uh, you got two safeties playing thirds and a little linebacker playing the third. Although the safeties are playing more close to their sideline in terms of playing third coverage or one-third of the field, the middle linebacker is basically playing a safety in the middle of the field playing one-third coverage. So a way to kind of like beat that is having this play where you'll have the tight end running a 10-yard flag route trying to handle the strong safety as well as the corner. you got the X receiver on the line of scrimmage running the seam route. And he's trying to get cutting up that middle of the field where he's going to get behind the Mike linebacker. And so when you're reading this as a quarterback or as a coach, you're going to tell your quarterback, okay, look, we know the strong safety and the corner are basically playing sideline, but the corner's playing the flat and the strong safety is playing the flag. You can throw the flag route to the Y. However, uh, the strong safety is pretty tight on the flag or the corner attacks the flag. And so the strong safety, you can hit the flat route. However, you feel like that will be covered pretty well. You can always look at the seam route running by the mic. The Z is the alert. He will most likely be covered by the free safety in the corner. The A running the drag route who's going to be sitting in the middle of the zone. Because remember, drag routes, you continuously run across the field if it's man coverage. If it's zone, you got to stop in the middle of the field, most likely to where the center would have been lined up pre-snap. Pre-snap where, again, the center would have been lined up. And that's your that's basically your check down. Now, a way to throw this over the top of the mic is you gotta throw it on the outside shoulder of the wide receiver running the seam route, the X receiver running the seam route, running the vertical route. So it will, even though it's middle field closed coverage, and it'll be pretty difficult to throw like a post route there, uh, you do have a mismatch essentially with a mic and the receiver. But the throw has to be on point, accurate, into the outside shoulder. If I'm just throwing a line drive in this area, the mic's going to pick it off or bat it down. If I throw it here, then I have a higher, as a quarterback, uh, and a coach trying to get a completion on this, on this play, in a big play, uh, I would have a higher chance of getting a completion or a touchdown or a big play if I throw it to the outside shoulder of the receiver. So that's one way to beat Tampa 2 especially if you're calling this in the red zone and they call Tampa 2 is to hit the flag or the flat or you can look and try to hit the seam route with the X. But your alert is going to be a Z and your alert will also be the X depending on where the mic may play. But that's essentially your third read. So you got your first, second, third, fourth. Uh, those are your progression reads. Now granted, you still have to throw the ball quick as possible. Although this is not a quick play, it's a developing play uh, your offensive line is going to only hold up for so long. So you still have to make a decision pre-snap where you think you might find the most effective way to attack the coverage.
And I say for me, it's the flag route by the tight end or the seam route by the X or the dump off to the uh, A-back. That's it for today's episode. So thank you so much for watching this long video. I know I've been, been trying to make sure to cut these videos down. Uh, but I wanted to just do a long video to not explain what I'm trying to do for future-wise, especially on my YouTube channel content. But also, again... Uh, do my podcast as uh, something I enjoy doing is my podcast on Griff Talks Football. I wanted to share my thoughts on the Brandon Cooks trade as well as my thoughts on the NFL all decade all decade team, but more specifically, uh, the quarterbacks are on that team. So thank you so much for watching. I will have content coming out uh, again next Friday. Uh, more specifically, two to three jet pass protections against six defensive fronts. So very excited to do that, as well as next Monday, I'm, I'm sorry, not next Monday, next Tuesday afternoon on my Griff Talks Football podcast, I will be doing Season 2, Episode 5, talking about defensive identity, which I think I will, this, I will probably film and be able to upload on my YouTube channel as well. So thank you so much for watching, uh, and remember to love or hate my opinions, and uh, go Browns. Thank you.